as people, we want to know the immediate future. We want to know what's kind of right in front of us or maybe a year from now. And maybe if we're one of those people, we're like, wait a minute, what's, hap- what's going to happen like five years from now? And it's just really interesting to me as, as humans, we care more about the immediate future than like the eternal future. And so whenever we look at a passage like we're going to look at today, I think one of the things that we do is we forget that we are these created human beings that that God created so beautifully and he crowned us with glory is what Psalms 9 says. Crowned us with glory that we are so beautiful and he created us in order to know God as our father forever, to enjoy him, to glorify him, and then to be known by our father uh, and enjoy that relationship with him. I think so many times we forget that we are these eternal beings to where like whenever physical death happens, uh, that's not the end. And so with that in mind, I, I just want us to turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. Because we're going to see a passage where, where Jesus is, is wanting us to keep in mind of this eternal future. He wants us to keep in mind that we are these eternal beings. And so we're going we're to be in this really interesting passage. Um, and as you turn to Matthew 24 with me, I do want to remind you that uh, this Sunday and next Sunday are the last two Sundays where we are in this series called um, uh, Asking for a Friend and, and Searching for These Answers and, and trying to answer these really hard questions that we have in life. Um, and so we're going to be um, uh, there today and then next Sunday. And so the question for us today as we look at Matthew, when, when will Jesus come back? When will Jesus return? You see, whenever we look at the gospel of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, we see that Jesus is continuously predicting his death, his resurrection. And then before his death and resurrection and after his death and resurrection, again, he, he does this other prediction and this other kind of prophecy where he's like, yeah, um, I came once and I'm going to actually return. I'm going to return and I'm going to come back. And, and what he's trying to say is like, look, I, I came one time to restore the souls of people. The next time I come back, I'm going to come back to restore every single thing. The visible, the invisible, the people, the earth, everything you can see and not see, I'm going to come back and restore it. And so whenever Jesus predicts this, his return, us... And most of the time, people in scripture, they're really not asking why he's going to do it or how he's going to do it. They're really asking the question of when. Like, when are you going to do it? And we're just like so curious and we just so want to know. We have so many questions on when is Jesus going to return. And so we're going to focus on that question today of when will Jesus return. So if you're with me in uh, Matthew chapter 24, we're going to start in verse 1. And it says this. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he said, he asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, 
all these are the beginning of birth pains. And so as we read this, there's some things that we need to keep in mind uh, in order to answer that question, when will Jesus return? And so here's the first thing that I want us to keep in mind as we look at this, is that we have a trustworthy prophecy. We have a trustworthy prophecy. Again, just some context here. It says that Jesus left the temple. And you might be asking, what in the world was Jesus doing in the temple? Well, what Jesus was doing in the temple is that he was there and he was practically telling the Jewish people and, and, and the religious people there saying, hey, you guys have rejected me. Um, I've been trying since the very beginning to take care of you, to show you the way, to tell you how things are supposed to be done. And every single time you walk away. And every single time you reject me. Like, why do you keep on rejecting me? And so Jesus just got done doing that. And he's like leaving the temple. And these disciples who are like these country guys, these fishermen, these guys who probably haven't seen the city too much. The disciples are probably walking out. They're like, dude, look at this, man. This temple building is awesome. They're like, man, it's not even like finished yet. And this is beautiful. This is so cool. And Jesus is probably like, oh, my gosh, you did not just hear anything that I, I just said. Okay. And he's, still, he's looking at these buildings and he's like, guys, you, you see all these buildings that are just not even finished yet. They're going to get demolished. So much so that you're not even going to be able to turn one stone or be able to find a stone to turn. And in this moment, I can just see the disciples going, oh, uh, okay. Because it's interesting how verse 2, Jesus says that. In, in verse 3, they have already walked some time up to a mountain. So it's like the disciples are like processing Jesus' words until they got up to the mountain and sit down. But again, you have Jesus in this like in these first couple verses just giving this prophecy. And, and every time that Jesus gives a prophecy, it's either a prophecy of the near future or the future to come that's a little bit more far away. But you might be asking, what, what is a prophecy and why is Jesus giving a prophecy here? We see a prophecy is really um, this thing where people speak about future things to come, things in the future. And so Jesus is speaking about these things to come. And uh, they're going to come true because what's cool about Jesus is that he predicted and prophesied his, his own death and his own resurrection. And it happened. And so if Jesus is saying, hey, uh, this building is going to be demolished, well, it's probably going to happen. And so this building, if you look at historians and if you look at different individuals who have spoken about that particular time, they say that the building was absolutely beautiful. It was a reconstruction of the temple and it was finished around 64 AD. But then, so which is 64 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. But then you keep on going in history and in 70 AD, super crazy, 70 years after Jesus said the words, hey, you see this beautiful thing? It's going to be demolished. 70 years after that, the Romans come in and demolish the whole thing. Again, you read, you read the historians and the people who talk about it. They say it was so demolished that historians today have no idea the exact spot where the temple was at. They're like, it's somewhere there. That's how demolished it was. So demolished that, like in Jesus' words, not one stone would be able to be turned. And so you look at these things, and so again, Jesus is, is prophesying or had prophesied his death, his resurrection. He prophesied this, this temple to be absolutely demolished, and it happened. And so you might be asking, what is the purpose of this prophecy? What is the purpose of prophecy, and why is it that Jesus' prophecy is so trustworthy? Well, whenever we look at prophecies like this and the ones we're going to continue to look at, 
These kind of statements are supposed to inspire us to holiness. They're supposed to inspire us to holiness today and not exactly tomorrow, but literally today and every day that we live. You see, these prophecies that Jesus gives and and that we see are not exactly to satisfy our need to know what the future is. These prophecies are not like, oh, hey, because you want to know so bad what's going to happen tomorrow, here you go. No, no, no. Whenever Jesus gives these kinds of prophecies, it's supposed to inspire us and, and really challenge us to say, okay, what do I need to change today? Okay, how does this inspire me to holiness? And, and I wrote it this way, and I wanted to read it to you so I didn't say it wrong. But we are told about the future so that we may change our behavior in the present and prepare for the future and its rewards. And so anytime a prophecy is read, we kind of have to ask ourselves this. What difference should this make in my life right now? What difference should this make in my behavior right now? Especially as I'm reading what Jesus is going to do. And this is going to be really important for us as we try to answer that question of when will Jesus return. And especially what Jesus is going to say next. But I think that's a really serious question that we have to ask ourselves. That whenever we hear Jesus prophesy what's going to happen in the future. And how is that going to change our perspective? How is that going to change our eternal perspective? And I just want to make something super personal in this moment, just because we're, you know, talking about Jesus and what he's looking at when he's, or what he's saying when he's looking at a building. You see, when, whenever Jesus was walking out of the building, his concern was not the building, his concern was the heart of the people. And so Jesus' concern has always been more of, of the heart of people, the condition of their heart, not really the condition of their house of worship. And so we have Jesus walking out of this temple and just going, man, like the hearts of these people are just not right. And so whenever I read scripture like this, I just imagine what would Jesus say if if he walked in here today and he looked at every single one of us in the eyes and then walked out. Would he walk away saying, man, these rebellious people? Or would he walk away saying, man, these, these people are really trying their best to seek after me? Because again, Jesus is always going to be looking and, and be more concerned with the condition of our heart more than the condition of our house of worship. And the reality is, again, we have to keep in mind, like, buildings are made by people. Buildings are made by men and by women. And so they're going to they're gonna be destroyed one day. They're going to corrupt one day. Like, if you think about a house or some kind of building, the moment you build it, is the moment you have to do upkeep, is the moment it just begins to degrade because things just wear and they tear. But then you think about us people, God makes people. And it's just so interesting to me about how people are are eternal and how people, again, whenever they die physically, that's not the end. They live more and they live forever. But we have to think, what is that going to look like for us? One of the first passages I, I ever preached in my life, which I don't know what gave me the boldness to do this, uh, was actually Philippians chapter 2, um, and it was verses 9 to 11. And I'll never forget that passage because it talks about how every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But something that just really stuck out to me is that I just want you to imagine with me for a second that every single person on earth, whether they were a believer or not a believer, will be standing in front of God. And they will bow their knee 
and they will proclaim that that Jesus is that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, that He has authority over all. And then, those who did place their faith in, in Jesus will be with Him in heaven, and those who did who who did not will be in hell. And I just thought about that for a second, and I was like, Do you know that in hell there's not going to be any atheists? Like, did you know that in hell there's not going to be any agnostics? Did you know that in hell there's not going to be anyone who does not believe in God? Because they literally just got done bowing their knee and going, man, Jesus Christ, you're Lord, you're boss. But whenever I had the opportunity to place my faith and trust in you, I practically just said, nah, no thanks. I'm better than you. And so it's interesting to me that whole reality of how in eternity, there's not going to be one atheist, one agnostic. But man, we have the choice today to know God personally. And to take these prophecies into consideration of saying, Jesus' prophecy of him dying and coming back to life was trustworthy. His prophecy of the temple is trustworthy. And so I think his prophecy of him returning a second time is so trustworthy. And so the second thing I want you to see here in this passage that really comes from verses 3 to 8 is that we have a trustworthy power. We have a trustworthy power. So again, we see here that, that Jesus finally, <laughs> you know, he gets to the Mount of Olives, which is so beautiful, by the way. I was going to show you a picture, but I, for, I forgot to send it to our team. But it's so beautiful because just imagine like a, uh, just like a mountainside and you're sitting here and there's this valley and you can see uh, just the whole city of Jerusalem. It's just so beautiful. And I can just imagine Jesus finally sitting down and the disciples have been quiet this whole time, just walking around, super quiet. And they sit down, they're like, all right, Jesus, seriously, bro, like when is that going to happen? Like that's insane. I can just imagine that happening. And uh, what's so cool is that Jesus is so intentional all the time. Because if you look at the, at the prophet uh, Zechariah, uh, I think it's chapter 14, verse 4, where he kind of prophesies where Jesus is going to return on the Mount of Olives. And so where is Jesus walking the disciples to? The Mount of Olives. It's just so incredible, just that whole connection right there. And so in this moment, you have these disciples who are asking about, okay, when, when is the temple going to be destroyed? And, and Jesus, when are you going to return? And, and Jesus, how are we going to know when that's going to happen? And so Jesus begins to answer them. And he tells, and he tells them, when will this happen and, uh, and how this is going to happen? So Jesus answered in verse 4. He goes, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name. I am the Messiah and will deceive many. And he continues to talk about these wars and these famines and, and this earth getting dry and tired and, and, and how earthquakes are going to happen and the ground's going to be breaking, all this kind of stuff. And so really we see what Jesus is saying is, uh, hey guys, because of sin, this earth is corroding. Uh, because of sin, people are corroding. And things are going to continuously get worse and worse and worse and worse because of sin. And uh, it's just interesting when we think about sin, sin just poisons everything that it touches. Like not just like one person, not just one thing. Like sin has poisoned everything and Jesus is the only antidote to it. But then here you have Jesus, he's just talking about all these things are gonna, that are going to happen. And what I love is that at the very end it says, all these 
are the beginning of birth pains. So Jesus like says all these terrible things that's going to happen. He goes, yeah, it's just the beginning. And you're like, dude, goodness. And so what we see is that Jesus is just talking about how all of these things are just the beginning of the end. And we have to keep in mind right here, like I just want you to think back to Acts 1 and 2. And think about Jesus' ascension. Like literally since Jesus' ascension, all of these things have been happening. Like since Jesus went and sat at the throne and sat in heaven, all of these things that he described have been happening. But then he says, man, do not be alarmed in the sense to tell us, hey, like don't be surprised. And, um, you know, whenever we read this and whenever other people read these kind of prophecies, like an earthquake happens or a war breaks out or something happens like in our current day today and they go, oh man, see, Jesus is near. He's, he's coming tomorrow. And it's like, well, I mean, we are closer today than we're tomorrow, yesterday. But like all of these things have been happening. And so again, what are prophecies supposed to do? They're supposed to help us evaluate and go, oh man, okay. This should inspire me to holiness today. This should inspire me to look at my life and go, how, how is thinking about that future of Jesus returning, how is that going to change my life today and change how I act today and my behavior today? And then we keep reading and again, it says all these are the beginnings of birth pain. So again, all of what Jesus described is the beginning. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. Can I just be super real real quick? I've never had a baby. Okay, I, and I don't think I ever will because I'm a dude. Being real with you, okay. I don't know the pain of childbirth. I don't. And I'm not going to pretend like I do, okay. But whenever I talk to people who have, they tell me, they say, Misael, it really hurts. I'm like, okay. They're like, it's really painful. And I'm like, Okay. I believe you. I'm not going to argue with that. And so it's interesting that Jesus is so, again, so intentional with his words of like, this is the beginning of birth pains, which means it's going to be painful. Like, like my return, it's going to be painful. Why? Well, because God is a just God and there has to be consequences for sin. And so these consequences are going to hurt because there's sin all over the place. And so there's going to be the birth pains that, that, that really hurt and that, that are really painful. On the other end, again, I've never had a baby. You know. On the other end, even though it's, it, the women I talk to say, man, it's the most painful thing I've ever experienced. They go, but Misael, having a child is the most joyful thing I've ever experienced. And I'm like, again, I'm not going to argue with you. I have not, not been there. But they go, it's so joyful and it's just full of, of, of just praising the Lord and, and full of just beauty because we're able to bring in this life into the world like something new has been birthed. And so whenever Jesus returns, man, joyful, something new has come. He's going to restore all things. And so in those moments of, of suffering, in those moments of trial, in those moments of like, Misael, this life sucks, Misael, all this is happening. We have a trustworthy power who we know is victorious at the end. And the one who we know we can trust that has all the control. And he knows what's going on. He's not oblivious. And he goes, hey, but at the end, 
I win. At the end, I'm going to come back for you. And so whenever we look at this question, when will Jesus return, I'm almost like, dude, who cares? He's coming back. Because whenever we keep on reading Matthew 24, and we just read all the way to verse 36, it says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. And it keeps on reading. And we don't know the exact day. And if we did, would that change anything in your life? If it would, let me tell you this. Jesus is coming back, so it should already change stuff in your life. So Jesus is returning. And, and though we don't know the exact time, the exact day, we know it's going to happen. And we have to live and things have to change in us. And so I just want to encourage you with this. And this is our last point right here. We have a trustworthy voice. We have a trustworthy voice. And, and you might be asking, Misael, whose voice are you talking about? Well, uh, I want to tell you a story. And I, and I heard this story from a pastor who I just love and respect. Uh, his name is Robbie Gallaty. And he told this story um, of a guy that he knows. And I said, man, I'm going to use that one day, but I'm going to make sure people know it's from Robbie Gallaty, not from me. Because it's not my story to tell. But I'm going to tell you anyway. So... Robbie tells a story about this guy that he knows, and this guy, he travels a lot. And so he was uh, at this, this guy was at this airport one time, and he's sitting there and he's waiting for his flight. And this guy walks by that he knows, and he goes, hey man, what's up? And so they start talking. Well, it turns out that this buddy of his is a pilot. And he was just kind of like doing some test flights that day. And, and so they start talking. And, and this guy's like, hey, man, like I'm going over here. And this guy's like, dude, I'll take you. He goes, I, I'm a pilot. I'm just going to do some test flights today anyway. How about I just take you to where you're going? Like it's only like a state away. And the guy's like, well, sure. Is it free? And the guy's like, yeah, man, it's free. I was going to fly anyway. And the guy's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. So then. Uh, they get in the in the in the plane. It's a little plane. It's not really a big plane. It's like a little guy. And so they get in the plane and they start flying. And so you know, you know, they're doing. <laughs> and uh, and they're talking, and they're just flying right. It's smooth smooth air. And then um, the pilot looks at the uh, because because they're talking right. The pilot looks at the friend and he's like, hey man, like. You want, to, you want to know a fun fact? And this, and this guy's like, sure, man. Like, what's up? He goes, so I almost didn't really pass my pilot's test because, like, I pass out whenever we're in clouds. <laughs> and this guy's like, dude, are you serious? He's like, yeah, 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 but we're fine. There's no clouds today. So, like, don't worry about it. And this guy's like, oh, okay. Well, you should have not told me that, but we're fine. And so, you know, they just keep on going, right? All of a sudden... The guy's like, hey, man, I think we're going to hit some clouds. Because he saw it. And, he, and he's like, dude, is there any way that we can avoid the clouds? He goes, yeah, I don't think we can. Passes out. This guy's like, uh, are you serious right now? Like, what is going on? Like, this guy's passed out. So, then, so he's like freaking out. He's like, uh, you, know, you know, trying to like whatever. So he gets like, you know, his headset and he's like, hey, we're, like, going to crash. You know, he's just, like, trying to scream into the headset. He's like, can anybody hear me? Like, this and this and this. And so this, like, voice comes on. 
And he's like, um, sir, do you not know, like, proper protocol for, like, flight emergencies? And he's like, brother, my guy's passed out. I'm just trying to get this plane somewhere so I don't die. And the voice is like, oh, let me pass you on to my manager. <laughs> Dude, when I heard the story, I cracked up. I was like, really? And so pass on to the manager. And the manager's like, Psh, uh, you know. And so they start talking. And he, the guy's like, Dude, the pilot's passed out. He apparently passes out in the clouds. We're in the clouds. I can't see a thing. And, and I, I just, I don't know what to do. I don't, I've never handled a plane. Like, I, I need your help. And it's like the guy on the, on the, on the, your, your phone thing, whatever it's called, headset, was like, all right, man, I need you to listen to me real quick. He goes, this has happened several times. And every time I do this, the plane crashes. And the guy's like, well, this is not helpful. And the, the voice over the, over the headset goes, and here's the reason why. Because I give directions and I try to guide them, but they freak out because they can't see. And then they freak out and they don't listen to my voice. And so they crash. So there's only one way out of this thing. Listen to my voice. And the guy's like, all right, I'll listen to your voice. And the voice goes, are you sure? He goes, mm-hmm, I got you. So they're doing their thing. And the voice is giving directions of what button and what's going on. And, and time goes on, and they're in the air for quite some time. But finally, by the grace of God, the plane, the, he's able to land the plane. He lands it. And the guy's like praising the Lord. And he's like, voice, thank you so much. I don't remember what the guy's name was, so we'll call him Voice. Voice, thank you so much. And uh, that guy was freaked out. And so uh, the airport was really gracious and gave the guy, like, a hotel room to kind of cool down and spend the night and be like, dude, you almost died. Um, and you might be thinking, what happened to the pilot? You might be thinking, what happened to him whenever they landed? Well, whenever they landed, the pilot goes, dude, why are we in the air? And this guy's like, bro, you passed out. And he goes, ah, the clouds, huh? <laughs> casual, casual, okay. So anyway, anyway, my guy over here, not the pilot, my guy, is, is in the hotel room. And uh, it's like 3 or 4 in the morning. <laughs> Maybe not that hard. But the guy like wakes up and he's like, man, what? He opens up the door, and uh, the guy at the door goes, hello, sir. And the guy who's freaking out, he goes, you're the voice. You're the voice. You're the voice that was in my ears and, and guiding me in the flight, and, and you're the voice that, that told me, hey, you're my voice, you're going to crash. You're the voice that, that told me which buttons and, and, and how to land and, and what lever to pull and you're the voice that guided me all the way home. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm the voice. And I just want to bring you a gift and say, great job for listening to my voice. You're the only one out of so many years that has actually listened. Great job, thank you. And uh, they celebrated, they hugged, um, and they went on their way. You see... I love that story because it reminds us that we have a trustworthy voice. 
And, and one day, we're going to see that voice face to face. And we're going to be like, you're the voice. You're the voice that I've been listening to. You're the voice that, is, that has guided me. You're the voice that has led me home. Man, you're, you're the voice. And so I just want to encourage you today. I know stuff happens in life. Man, but you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. He was a trustworthy voice in your life. Follow his voice. Follow his guidance. Follow it all the way home. And one day, it's going to be so cool to see that voice face to face. Be like, thanks, bro. I appreciate that. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. And so I want to go ahead and just end by praying for you and praying for us um, as we kind of wrap up. Lord, thank you for another Sunday that we can gather together as your church under one building and, and one Lord. God, right now, I, I just want to say that you are mighty, that you have the authority, Lord, that you are all-powerful. God, I want to say that we trust you. And God, thank you that we have always been able to trust your word and your prophecy and thank you that we've always been able to trust your power. Even in the moments that we can't see, we can trust your power. God, even in the moments that we can't feel and see, we trust your voice. God, we trust you. And Lord, as we have tried to answer this question of when will Jesus return, um, Lord, I pray that we would be more focused on praising you because you are going to return rather than trying to find the date and the time because that's just impossible. Lord, thank you that you are a God who gives us freedom, freedom to love you and to obey you. So God, I pray for my brothers and sisters, my familia in this room. Lord, I pray that whatever they might be going through, whatever might be happening in their life, that they would know that they can trust your voice. Because it is your word and your voice that created all things. It's your word and your voice that gave us breath. It's your word, it's, it's your voice that proclaimed the gospel. Your word and your voice that has told us that you are returning once and for all for all of eternity. God, we live to give you glory in the midst of all things and, and thank you that even in the darkness, you work through it. God, thank you for restoring our soul. I pray all this in Jesus' name.